everyone, and welcome to The Insatiable Appetite, a podcast for people who are in the serious business of food, making it, marketing it, selling it, serving it, and eating it too. We're very fortunate today to have Jaxie Alt, co-CEO and Chief Marketing Officer of Strive Foods, joining us. Strive is an emerging healthy snack company which manufactures, markets, and sells a range of healthy snacking products, including air-dried meat snacks. Hi, Jaxie. It's great to be connecting with you today to discuss one of our favorite topics at the Hartman Group, snacks and snacking. Hi, David. Thank you for having me. Maybe we could start out, Jaxie, with an overview of Strive Foods as an emerging brand and its unique air-dried meat snacks. Uh, Most notably, Strive offers a product that has roots in South African methods for air-drying meats. That's a really fascinating story. Absolutely. So we are a healthy snacking company, and the first product that we've come out with is called Biltong. That's the one you're talking about, and it does come from South Africa. So um, many hundreds of years ago, Dutch settlers were traveling um, down to South Africa, and they needed a way to preserve their meat. And of course, there was no refrigeration at the time, none of the processing and all the things that we have done to food over the years that people are trying to undo now, right? Um, But what they did was they basically put some vinegar on their meat, they sliced it up, put some spices and hung it up to dry and air dried it. And when you do that, you end up with a product that is very simple, no processing, and it has 50% more protein than beef jerky, no sugar and nothing artificial. So it's called Biltong in South Africa. We call it that. We also just call it air dried meat because most Americans have never heard of it. And we have the only USDA full grant certified facility in the United States and you can't import it. So we're really the first people really at scale bringing this to Americans. That's really interesting. And I will admit I've tried it. It's delicious. And it is very impressive when, when you look at the, <laughs> when you look at the ingredient list, um, it is remarkably uh, a clean label and very simple, which is very interesting. That's one of the things we love about it, and it's important to our company, right? Very simple. Sure. It's basically meat and spices. Right. Could could you take t- talk a little bit about how consumers are responding to biltong and to the Strive snacks in comparison to to regular beef jerky, and also just to that South African story? Have you heard? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we're, we have exponential growth. We're very small. So, of course, our growth is much higher than the category because we're a rocket ship right now being a, a brand new brand. But consumers are really, really gravitating to this idea of super high protein and no sugar. I think Americans have really figured out what sugar does to your body, especially processed sugars. Um, and so, so many people are trying to take less sugar in. And so this idea that you can get really high protein, 50% more than beef jerky with no sugar and no chemicals is really, really resonating. We actually have a couple of of these types of brands in our portfolio. One is called Strive, which is our flagship brand. And we don't really tell the story of South Africa very much on that brand. We really, I mean, if people dig in, but really it's air-dried meat and it's a wonderful, healthy snack. We have another brand called Kalahari, which um, is a smaller brand for us, but it was founded by a South African and actually a friend of his. They went to South Africa and the American friend was like, why do we not have this in the U.S.? 
So on that brand, we actually do talk a lot about South Africa and the roots of the product because it's very, very entrenched in kind of the story of that brand being built. And we find Americans are really, um, you know, they love to find new foods and explore new foods and new tastes. So people find it pretty interesting. I think for the most part, it's just strange to, you know, have a word that you've never heard of. How have I never heard of this before? And it's the word biltong is Afrikaans. So it's not even like English, you know, it's like, what is that? So it's very intriguing to people, I think, as they hear that word. Sure. And and certainly there's a, a number of trends that your product, especially Biltong and the other one you just mentioned, answer, and that is this pursuit of protein and nutrient density in snacks. And these global flavors, especially for young younger consumers like Gen Z and millennials, um, they really are open to those kinds of experiences in their food. Um, you have this interesting mission statement to help Americans snack better and live happier, better lives. Do you think that Americans need to snack better? We just finished a major report on snacking behavior. And as we've seen for, for years now, it reconfirmed that snacking occasions represent uh, almost half or 48% of all eating occasions. So that's of all eatings during the day. What do you think about that? Yeah, I think Americans absolutely do. I mean, if you look at obesity in America, we have two thirds, and this is this goes to our mission statement, two thirds of Americans are obese or overweight and a third of our kids are. And there are many reasons why, but we believe one is how Americans snack. And if you look at the main snacks, it's chips and it's crackers and it's cookies and it's things that really are not nutrient dense, as you mentioned, usually highly processed and they don't give our bodies great fuel. And we really believe that healthy eating makes you feel better. And when you feel better, you truly can have a happier, better life and be happier and accomplish more in your day. So we absolutely believe that number one, what Americans snack on mostly really isn't very healthy. Um, and number two, to your point, we're snacking more than ever, right? So we've got to put better options to Americans that are accessible and that are in front of you. And we're trying really hard to penetrate not only online and grocery, but like convenience, right? Because you're in a hurry and you're in the convenience store. Let's make sure that people have healthier options in front of them. They're making for that quick trip so they don't choose something not healthy just because that's what's there. Sure, sure. And I mean, we just talked about this, the, your, your packaging, which is great. It's very hip and playful. Um, but this, this matter of your clean in, ingredient panel, uh, how, how really how important do you think that is compared to the other jerky snacks that you see in the store? I was just in the store last night and the jerky section is, is, is quite large. And of course, processed snacks take up an entire aisle at the grocery store and it's a big part of the convenience store. Yeah, we think, I mean, clean, the clean panel is importantly, very important to us and is a key reason we're different than other brands. Most jerky brands, they're, they're very similar. They might taste a little bit different, but they have about the same amount of protein. They usually have between four to six to eight to 10 grams of sugar um, in each serving. And we have zero and we have great taste. You're not sacrificing taste. There's a wonderful taste and a wonderful texture. The number two ingredient in jerky is water. We don't have that. We dry out our meat. And what you're left with is what almost tastes like steak. And it's just yes. delicious, delicious 
experience and you have no nitrates and no preservatives and nothing artificial. And that for us is really where consumers are gravitating to this idea because there's not a taste sacrifice. So many times when we want to eat something healthy, we actually have to sacrifice. Yeah, I'm going to have this healthy thing for dinner, this healthy snack, but it really doesn't taste that good. Like Biltong really tastes great. And so you're not sacrificing and you're getting the clean panel. It's just a win-win. Yeah, I mean, this intersection of, of quality and premium distinctions, this is something that's becoming uh, kind of uh, a pursuit on behalf of consumers. Speaking of which, you have some of your snacks in the Biltong uh, Strive Foods area have a grass-fed distinction. Um, was that driven by consumer demand or um, was there something else that caused you to... You know, we know there are some consumers who really want grass fed and they'll only choose grass fed and they're willing to pay more for grass fed, whereas some consumers aren't right. They're like, you know what, that's not on my radar screen. I'd rather pay a little bit less Mm -hmm. and not have it grass fed. So we wanted to make sure we had both options for consumers. There's also some retailers that will only take grass fed. Right. So if you want to get into certain retailers, you have to have a grass fed line. So it was both from a consumer perspective, you know, as well as um, retailers. That's interesting. And we also noticed that you have paleo and keto diet uh, call outs on the website and it's on some of the packaging. Is that true? I see it. Yeah, we're governed by the USDA and the USDA will not allow you in meat snacks to put that on your package. So, you know, it's a little bit different than some brands and what, you know, regulations. So we have a USDA officer in our plant every single day because we're a meat product. Um, So we can talk about it. The USDA doesn't allow you to put it on the package. So that's why you see it on our website and our advertising, but not on the package. We absolutely are paleo friendly, keto friendly, especially our sticks, which I haven't talked about. Um, our biltong, which is sliced, which is like a beef jerky, has no fat at all. But our sticks actually have, you know, you got to have some fat to make sausage, right? right. And um, they are delicious. So people on keto actually love, they like our biltong. They love our sticks because you're always trying to get more fat when you're on keto. <laughs> yes, those are popular diets right now. Yep. Um, there, so there's this, uh, our research, you know, there's a lot of industry press right now about plant-based products. But we also keep trying to remind people that there's a lot of consumer interest in higher quality animal products like your meat snacks. Where do you see this evolution of quality in animal-based snacking going in the future? Um, These distinctions like grass-fed could be maybe something that you do more of, or do you think that clean production cues like less processing and no sugar, do you see any importance in either one of those? Yeah, I think you're always going to have a range of different consumers. And our goal is to have what consumers are looking for. So I think plant-based is very real. I think most people are flexitarian. Um, There are, of course, a percentage of people who are vegetarian. But I think a lot of people, like I have salads sometimes with no meat, right? (laughs) I'm a flexitarian. Um, So there are times people, if you only want grass-fed, we've got that. If you want just, you know, our base product, which is very high quality, uh, but it is just the high protein, no sugar, nothing artificial, we've got that. We have mentioned that plant-based is in our innovation pipeline because I do think it's very real and it's very important, especially in the natural channel. It does um, incredibly well. So I think we just want to have choices. You know, our mission is about snacking better. 
Um, we are looking at, you know, today we're in meat snacks. What other snacking verticals can we go into? And how do we really live through this promise of giving people better snacking options that really taste great? That that makes a lot of sense. So this is sort of a, a, a no-brainer question in some ways, because during the pandemic, we saw consumers reporting an increase in snacking activity by as much as 30% compared to the previous year. And that's been covered a lot in the media. And, you know, this was because of staying at home and ending up on the couch. Uh, did you did you see any sales pack impacts that related to pandemic snacking, quarantined at home? Did you find- Oh, Lord, did we? Yes. No, <laughs> no one could have said that. <laughs> I'll tell you what we saw was really interesting on two fronts was as a small brand and a new brand, it was very difficult. You know, all of a sudden people change their shopping behaviors overnight. You want to get in and out of the store as fast as possible, not touch anything, buy the brands you knew. If your brand wasn't there, you would switch just because you needed X, you know, product. But if you were a new young brand like ours, really hard to break through because instantly we couldn't demo, right? We couldn't sample. Yes. And people weren't, I mean, you were grabbing the brand you knew and out the door. So our retail sales really suffered. I will tell you, you know, a year later, mm -hmm. covered that. So that's fantastic. But at the same time, our e-commerce business exploded, right? Because people were home and we were able to pivot very, very quickly. We luckily had invested in e-commerce and were starting to build that business, but we just had to just put the, you know, hit the gas so fast and we were able to do that really successfully and really drive our own dot-com businesses as well as our Amazon business um, last year. But thank goodness, you know, we're really seeing a return uh, to shoppers at retail and some things that we can do. We're seeing demos starting to open back up, closed, you know, closed cup sample or sealed sample. So very different than before. But for young brands like ours, um, it was quite difficult in terms of keeping your retail velocities up when shopping patterns and the way we could, you know, basically drive awareness and drive trial changed overnight. Sure. I mean, we, we saw a lot of emerging brands uh, affected and this kind of pivot that was necessary to go to direct distribution to direct to consumer was um, it's, that's really interesting that you were able to do that. And it's so important um, at the same time, uh, I, I wanted to just ask you what the effects of the pandemic were on something like a beef snack. You know, there were so many stories that made consumers more aware of, of animal proteins and where they were coming from, um, especially at the height of the pandemic, as they were going through grocery stores, you know, there were empty meat cases, um, we noticed that you're manufacturing um, within the United States in your own huh? facility. How yeah. important has that been? That's been incredibly important um, because we really control our own destiny and our own supply chain. You know, we were very lucky. We did not, there were no meat shortages for us. So the pandemic in terms of being able to continue to supply our product was not a problem. The category is interesting because I think it's what you would have seen in most categories where the, the big brands like Jack Links and Slim Jim really benefited because those are the top two brands. They have like a 60 share of the category. So people went there and you saw those brands. Um, it was nothing like frozen foods or bakery or milk where, you know, our toilet paper where the shelves were empty. 
Um, but you did see the meat snack set, you know, really was um, shopped very heavily on those sort of number one or number two brands. Um, so we, you know, we absolutely did see that. Um, and so I think you, you know, you probably saw that in a lot of categories, but it was not a category that, you know, we got cleaned out, you know, overnight and couldn't supply. That's fascinating. Um, and also, I mean, it's such an important kind of snack. If you think about what we were seeing consumers doing during the pandemic, which was really trying to uh, kind of bolster their resilience and uh, they weren't necessarily so mobile, but you know, they were still trying to get as much uh, nutrition and protein as they could. Um, so certainly these stories about where the food comes from are really important to consumers. Would you, what about future plans for other snack court categories? You kind of touched on that earlier. Um, you're talking about maybe plant-based. Do you have any other snack categories that you're thinking of? Yeah, we're exploring multiple right now. So we're looking at, you know, you look at all the big snacking categories and we're saying, how can we take a look at this and bring a differentiated, really healthy, great tasting product to market? So um, we've got a few things in the hopper I can't mention right now. We're about to go public. We haven't yet. So I, I'm not allowed to say, but definitely we've got several things we're looking at. Well, that's absolutely fascinating. And, you know, a lot of the shopper research that we do, we do a lot of uh, food shopping research shows consumers uh, very eager to turn back to stores. And I saw in some of your press releases that you were expanding into other retail channels. So um, good luck. It sounds like all of these products meet a very wide range of criteria that consumers are looking for. And uh, we really appreciate you talking to us today. And best wishes on the expansion of Strive Foods. All right. Thank you so much. Really enjoyed it. Thanks, Jaxie.